Fresh Out the Oven, it's Cinema Bums. I'm Wade. And I'm Emmett. Cinema Bums is a podcast where we watch through every single movie in popular film franchises, one each week to try and track how the storytelling changes over time. Today, we are beginning our new listener-submitted and selected series entitled, (laughs) Entitled, Won't You Take It? (laughs) Okay, 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 I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I haven't tried to sing this out loud. Entitled, Won't You Take It To Watiti Town? Covering every film directed by Taika Waititi. We will fully spoil today's film, but we will not spoil any future entries in the series. Emmett, how are you doing? I'm doing well. How about you, Wade? I'm doing good, especially good because today we're honored to have a special guest. She is a responsible journalist, librarian, (laughs) and Christmas pageant director, perhaps best known to our audience for bankrolling at least one half of the cinema bums in their cross-country moves. Please welcome, on the pod for the first time, Sunday Horn. Woo! Hi! I'm happy to be here. All right. Thank you. Thank you for that lovely introduction. Thank you. Thank you for being here. Yeah. Evan, how did you feel writing an introduction for your mom? Uh, I don't know. That felt like a pretty good, pretty accurate depiction. Honestly, I was just happy that I remembered to write this one. There we go. Yeah, thank you. That brings me to a point that I've been meaning to say for a month, but I keep forgetting to. Emmett, you know, it's a new year. I think, I want to hear what you think, that we should get rid of the guest intros. Oh, interesting. Why? I liked my intro. Oh, I think you had a great one, but... I just, they take me, they take the longest time to write of any of the prep. Yeah, they do. Oh, they do take funny. a long time to write. Yeah. It's a weird inside joke. Yeah, uh, I like it though. Usually, usually, I It don't always know. makes me giggle, even when I don't understand the inside joke. Hopefully, as we're. Because I am one of the okay. loyal friends of the pod. Hopefully, as we're branching out mm. and have more guests on the pod, they will be less people who we have inside jokes with personal inside (laughs) jokes with not to say that we haven't loved having our friends Mm -hmm. on the pod but it would be cool to have other people with opinions as well so i don't know okay i can i can feel i also feel like i don't want to presume necessarily what titles people want because they already have like the plugs at the end you know so i don't want to assume that someone wants to be known as a singer whatever it is you know right new year new policy Having said that, today we're here to talk about Taika Waititi. The winner of our Bumtober bracket, we had 32 series that fans submitted, and the one that was picked out of all of those was Taika Waititi. So I want to hear about everyone's experience with him, starting with Sunday. Have you seen any of his movies before? Were you voting for him in Bumtober? What's your history? So I have seen the one Jojo Rabbit. I've seen that one. I've also seen the TV show What We Do in the Shadows, although not the movie yet. I do plan to watch that. And then today Emmett and I watched Mm. Eagle versus Shark and also the short film One Night, Two Cars. Is that what it was called? But I also came to this as a big fan of Jemaine Clement from um, Flight of the Concord. So 
I had that fandom going on as well. Mm. Also, for other fans of Flight of the Concords, this, this movie, movie came, out... came out the same year. Exactly. Right. Yeah, we had to look that up because, you know, I've been a Flight of the Concords fan for a long time. And so I wanted to know if this was before or after because Jermaine looks so young. And indeed, same year. Yeah, he does look really young here. Uh, Emma, what about you? What's your history? Turns out I had seen the short a long time ago, I think in college at some point. Um, with just like a screening of other short films, maybe, and had liked that at the time, but had not associated it with his huh. other films. Because when I saw it, I distinctly remembered all of it and was like, oh, yeah, I love this. But then I had seen What We Do in the Shadows, Jojo Rabbit, and Thor Ragnarok. I never saw Hunt for the Wilder People. Oh, that's what I've been wanting to watch. I didn't even yeah, know that was him. him. I like Jojo Rabbit okay. Less than I thought I was going to, and I think less than maybe like other people around the time did, but still like I liked it. Loved what we do in the shadows. I think that's very, very funny. And I love like the whole taking the mockumentary and the vampire thing together is very amusing. It's a hilarious TV show and Taika Waititi and Jemaine Clement both guest star in it sometimes in the show. Uh, You know, I have to say, I didn't answer all of Wade's question because you did ask me if I voted for this one in Bumtober. And I have Mm -hmm. to say that the ones that I submitted and thought you should do were the Muppet series and Star is Born. So I'm just putting my plugs in for those again. But when it came down to the end and mine were eliminated, (laughs) then yes, I did vote for this one. Who was the next to last one? It was this versus Shrek, I believe. Oh, yeah. I definitely thought this was a better one than Shrek. Still pulling for Muppets. I'm also still pulling for Muppets. I think the Muppets are (laughs) classic. I'm also just interested in watching the Muppets for other research-related reasons. But Wade, do you know that when Emmett auditioned for School of the Arts, he sang a Muppets song? Are you aware of that? <laughs> I believe that I had heard that, <laughs> but I had forgotten about it. He's saying, am I a man or am I a Muppet for his audition? That is true. <laughs> Did you do the uh, Miss Piggy monologue too? <laughs> I was not Miss Piggy. Yeah. I believe it was two different Shakespeare things. <laughs> mm-hmm. Directly on brand. Mm. <laughs> yeah, they said contrasting. And I said, oh, so you mean a funny Shakespeare and a sad Shakespeare. <laughs> as far as the Taika question goes, I think Thor Ragnarok is very exciting. I think it was like, a much needed like injection of fun into the Marvel Universe at a time when it hadn't had like a fun kick-ass hell yeah movie since like Guardians of the Galaxy. And it just like badly needed it. And I think that movie mm-hmm. is like seriously good. Who plays Thor? Chris Hemsworth. Oh, I watched Tessa that. Thompson is in it as a Valkyrie and Mark Ruffalo as the Hulk. Um, I watched that. It was pretty fun. And it has a kick-ass soundtrack from people covering Led Zeppelin. So, Speaking of soundtrack, I liked the cover of the David Bowie song in this movie, Eagle vs. Shark. Mm. So, Wade, what's your previous experience with Taika Waititi? In the lead-up to Thor Ragnarok, I believe I watched What We Do in the Shadows, which I heard about when it came out but, but hadn't seen, and Hunt for the Wilder People, which I love. And then I saw Jojo Rabbit when it came out, too. And I would say I like all of those four. Hunt for the Wilder People is probably my favorite, but I've really liked all of those. Was excited for this. I think in terms of... Like, it's interesting to me that this one, because of the Bumtober finalists, 
I feel like this is maybe the only one that we could have eventually done on our own, you know? (laughs) Well, I think some of those we are about to do, so (laughs) I don't know. Of the finalists of like Airbud, Shrek. Yeah, oh, for sure. Of the final four, yes. Of the final four. Yeah, of Holes, Airbud, Shrek, and Taika. I do think Taika was the most likely for us to do on our own. How many Holes movies are there? Just just the one. (laughs) Just one. That wouldn't be a series. Yeah, blame it on Shia LaBeouf. His acting ruined that (laughs) film. There will never be another Holes movie because of him. Oh, they might totally remake it. Him and Patricia Arquette in there just giving trash performances, just making Disney Channel embarrassed. I have to say that Holes is a great example of um, a t-shirt that I have that is never judge a book by its movie. It's a much better book. I read the book as a kid. I liked it a lot. Yeah. Yeah, the book was good. I I really like Taika when he's doing the genre stuff, you know? Uh And I feel like sometimes when he's in uh, just like regular realism comedy drama, I sometimes have this reductive thought about him of like what makes him different than Wes Anderson. Like how is he Mm. not sort of diet Wes Anderson? Yes. But I think watching this movie helped me put those comparisons aside a little bit. Well, part of it is a specific New Zealand brand of ennui that is like difficult to shake. Yeah, that is a question. Like, is everyone (laughs) in New Zealand awkward and boring? I mean, is that like the the country (laughs) personality? Is that the stereotype about New Zealanders that they're awkward and boring? Because like gathering from the stuff that's available to an American audience featuring major New Zealander names other than Peter Jackson, who is certainly not awkward, perhaps to some people boring with his I don't mean four that the movies are boring. Like I didn't think Eagle versus Shark was a boring <laughs> movie, but the people themselves were very yeah. bored with their own lives. I mean, they have a party where they throw shoes at that man. <laughs> I mean, so it's it, like they needed more ideas for things to do. And it reminded me of Hannah Takes the Stairs in a big way. And in Flight of the Concords, you know, one of them, they, they mm-hmm. uh, have their their manager and he works at the embassy for New Zealand and he likes to promote the toothbrush fence, a fence in New Zealand made out of toothbrushes. So, you know, it's kind of like there's not a whole lot there. I mean, I do remember hearing one time <laughs> that. There are more sheep in New Zealand than people. And I thought that would be a great place to visit because I like sheep. And don't like people. Well, I like some people. But I do know some people who lived there and really loved it and had a great time in New Zealand. Uh Uh-huh. But they're odd. Yeah. They're odd people. Yeah. Maybe a little awkward. So I'm not naming Mm. names. (laughs) Is that just the national personality? I don't know. I really love their prime minister, Jacinda. She's great. She just shut down yeah. COVID. Like, bam. Not going to have cool. it. I was really excited to watch Eagle vs. Shark because I love Jermaine. And I recognize some of the other actors on there because I watch a lot Australian and New Zealand television shows. The Kiwis, the people yeah. from New Zealand, tend to be awkward and kind of have boring <laughs> lives. And they also hate the Aussies. So that's an, another thing. And that came out. They mentioned yeah. something because he's like, I can move to Australia. Oh, God, don't do that. Yeah, right. The like, dad. Yeah. I'd seen the dad before and the brother-in-law. This reminded, this was like if an early Coen Brothers movie took place in Australia. Or not Australia, New Zealand. Yeah. Uh, Wes Anderson, did he do Royal Tenenbaums? Yes. 
Yeah, that was a weird-ass movie. That kind of reminded me of that. Yeah, and I thought about that. There is a similarity there. I think that this movie is both more personally intimate than that movie and maybe less visually stunning. I love all of these little, before we get on the visuals, I love all these little weird stop animation things, and I do think they're visually stunning in their own way. I like um, the animation, too. I, and I think they're really interesting and really sweet. Mm-hmm. I love how they're used in the end and like how it all kind of like ties it back together. I think that's really cool. The obsession with symmetry is not so much, and perhaps he sacrifices an obsession with symmetry for an interest in people, and that might not be a bad thing. Yes, I actually want to start at the top and talk about Taika a little bit and then talk about his short film and then we'll get into Eagle versus Shark. Okay. Uh, Track his journey all the way there. Taika, he was born in 1975 on New Zealand's North Island. He grew up around Wellington, the capital of New Zealand. It's where a lot of his films are set, at least where this film was filmed. I'm not sure if they say where it's set or not, but presumably in Wellington too. He's the son of a Maori father, uh, which is the indigenous Polynesian people of New Zealand, and a Russian Jewish mother. He describes himself as a Polynesian Jew, and he incorporates a lot of the indigenous traditions of his childhood into his filmmaking, which I think we'll see throughout all of this stuff. But his father was a, a visual artist. His mom was a school teacher. They divorced when he was... Five years old, he was raised mostly by his mother. And I thought this was really interesting that growing up, he used his mom's last name when he was writing, which is Taika Cohen, and then his father's last name for visual art stuff he was working on, which is Taika Waititi. And I think that's an interesting thing in all of his work about kind of being in two worlds in that sort of way. Right. While he was at... Victoria University, he was a member of a five-person comedy troupe called So You're a Man, which also had Jermaine Clement and Brett McKenzie, the two guys from Flight of the Concords. And then when Taika graduates in 1997, uh, he forms a two-person team, which is called the Humor Beasts. That's him and Jermaine. They tour the country. They get all the these awards. They're like very popular. And through that, He starts participating in New Zealand's annual 48-hour short film competition, which was his first sort of film work. And people really like the stuff he does there, which leads him to get government funding to create his first official short film, Two Cars, One Night. This short film that's 11 minutes, black and white, uh, screened in New Zealand in 2003, Sundance in 2004, got nominated for the Oscars in 2005 and is sort of his breakout directing piece. It was just adorable. Those little kids were so cute. (laughs) I had a hard time actually with their accents. Their New Zealand Maori accents were really Mm. thick. I had to ask him it a couple of times what they said. But anyway, yeah, it's really cute. I mean, it's just a charming little love story between a 12-year-old and a (laughs) 9-year-old. It's very cute. This feels like a very personal movie. It feels like this is something that actually happened to Taika Waititi as a kid. That he's like recreating the moment exactly is almost what it feels like, you know? And like it is so goofy and cute and kind of like set in this timeless world. You can't really be sure when it is. The cars are all kinds of weird. You can't get a place on on that. 
pretty wonderful. I love the kid. He's when he gets says to his brother, he says, You're gay, aren't you? And he says, Probably. <laughs> I love that. I like how he tries to get his brother to back him up on everything. And then his brother yeah. finally has to say, Shut up, I'm reading. It was really it was really cute. Okay, but here's the thing, like, why were these kids sitting in these cars? I think because their parents are in there at the bar. I guess. I mean, is that, uh, I mean, yeah. Yeah, their parents are in there. They're just sitting there while their parents are doing their thing. Yeah. Which just has a little bit of lonely sadness to it. I think it's some pretty impressive performances from the kids. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Mm -hmm. Like, pretty nuanced. Like, there's some lines that come across flat, but, like, you read the beats of everything that's going on. And especially, like, at the very end, it's really sweet. Yeah. What did you think, Wade? Yeah, I loved it. I agree completely with what you guys said. It's interesting how fully formed he feels. Like, when you watch this, it just feels like all of his other movies. And that's the first thing he did, you know? So I think that's really cool. Oh, it has the interesting animation in it, too. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah, I noticed that, too. Both this and Eagle versus Shark have, like, interesting visual things that are going on in the background of kind of a simple, funny movie, which is cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that it's just, like, mostly hilarious the whole time, and then there's, like, this actually kind of affecting sweet moment at the end. And I think Taika is really good at, like, having those emotional moments without it feeling weird in a comedy. Mm-hmm. Right. There was a part of me that wanted her to say, you told me I was ugly. So, you know, apologize for that first, dude. Because maybe it's a New Zealand thing, Mm -hmm. a Kiwi thing, but they do have this weird way of courting women by insulting them. You know, that definitely happened in Eagle (laughs) versus Shark, Uh right? Yeah, that's, yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, he tells her she's ugly and he flips her the bird and he yells at her. And then all of a sudden he wants to sit in her car with her. God, man. Yeah, I think that there are a couple tropes in both of these that we'll see in in everything going forward. And one of them is like a character overcompensating to an unbelievable degree, which is what this little kid is doing for sure Uh, in this one. Right. Um, My favorite moment is when he asks his little brother what the book he's reading is about. And the little brother says, crazy horse. (laughs) she asks how old the boy is and he says 16 (laughs) and she doesn't believe it and he yells to his brother tell her i'm 16 and he says he's nine (laughs) and then he winks and points at his (laughs) his eye he's like tell her i'm 16 the brother's not having it (laughs) that boy is really kind of the same character as the eagle character in eagle versus shark i mean he kind of doesn't know what to do around the opposite Mm -hmm. sex and is kind of building himself up to be more than he is. Definitely similar to Jermaine's same character in What We Do in the Shadows. Ah. And Jojo Rabbit. Hmm. And, of course, Thor, both Thor and the Hulk in Thor Ragnarok. <laughs> that's, a good, that's a really good point. God, Thor Ragnarok kicks some ass. I am excited to watch that. And I am ex- so excited that we get to watch an MCU movie without having to do all of the 22 other movies that come in the series. <laughs> At least not yet. I'm glad I don't have to listen to you talk about any more MCU movies. or what? Is that what it was, the, the first one? X-Men or not MCU? X-Men. Whatever. I don't know. It was a lot. There were a lot of them. And I'd only seen like one or two. 
But I'm a loyal listener. That's, I just want to you, say that. That's a you problem. You need to go back and watch all 13 of those masterpieces. <laughs> okay, so after this, oh, well, first of all, I just want to mention that there's a famous clip of Taika, again, before anyone knew who he was, where he's at the Oscars and they're reading uh, the nominees for his category and he's pretending to sleep as they read all the other nominees and then wakes up when they read his name, which is very funny. I saw where you shared that on the Cinema Bums social media and it did make me laugh. He's very cute. He's got a very cute little baby face, that boy. How old is he? He is, I think that he is 45 now. Okay. And obviously this was like 15 years ago. But he still looks like that, basically. Yeah, I know, yeah. He's a vampire. After Two Cars, One Night, he does two more short films the following year, one of which is a short blueprint for what we do in The Shadows. But then he gets on to his first feature film. So at the time, Taika was dating Lauren Horsley, who is the woman who plays Lily, the main character of Eagle vs. Shark. And she had like developed this character, Lily, as a comedic character and had a basic idea of what would happen to this character, which Taika then took, wrote the screenplay, workshopped it at the Sundance Lab in 2005. Again, got government funding to make it. This movie was entirely funded by the federal New Zealand government because other countries have great arts funding. Yeah. New Zealand's a cool country. Hey, wait. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Want to move to New Zealand in 2023? Everyone who's lived in New Zealand <laughs> loved it. You know, all I can think of. What's that? <laughs> uh, it's the Shire theme song. Oh. <laughs> oh, of course. I forgot that was there. You know, Britt McKenzie is uh-huh. something, I think he's an elf. In the Lord of the Rings. I think only in the extended cut of Return of the King. He is there. Mm -hmm. He's, wait, get this. Nerd check. He's the one who tells Arwen that the ships are about to leave and she turns around and goes back to Aragorn anyway. Is that when they go to Helm's Deep? No. That's the only thing I remember about those movies, that they must (laughs) to Helm's Deep. I still have a paper from Wade that he wrote to me that says, look for me at dawn on the third day. (laughs) (laughs) There's a truly great interview with Taika from when this movie was coming out in IndieWire, but where he says that his goal in life is to be the Peter Jackson of New Zealand. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's good. That's really good. So he's funny in real life, not just in his movies. Yeah, he's very funny in real life. Very (laughs) charming. This is the other quote from the interview that I wanted to read. The whole interview is hilarious. He talks about like this backstory of like growing up (laughs) poor and working in the fields and then becoming a famous director. Again, Uh this is all before like anyone knew who he is. And they ask him, what were some of the biggest challenges you faced in finishing the film? He says... The biggest challenge I had making the film was making the film. The whole thing was a challenge. (laughs) Development was easy compared to shooting. Shooting was easy compared to editing. Editing will be easy compared to watching it with real people in the audience. Actually, I don't want to watch it again. I've seen it 80 times. I'm over it. I know what's going to happen. (laughs) 
Oh, oh God. that's funny. You gotta love that. So that was like when, right when this movie was coming out, huh? Yes, that was for this movie, which again was shot in 2005, but came out in 2007. June 15th, 2007, written and directed by Taika, score by a local Wellington band called the Phoenix Foundation, running an mm-hmm. hour and 28 minutes. Again, no budget because funded by the government, but a box office of 1.3 million. Emmett, what would how how would you describe the plot of Eagle versus Shark to someone who hasn't seen it? Okay, so there's this girl. Her name is Lily. She lives with her brother, and she works in a bad fast food restaurant. Um, she has a crush on the guy who works in the same strip mall as her at a video game store. That guy is played by Jermaine Clement, as we've already said. Um, his name's Jared. Her name's Lily. She has it bad for him, and one day she goes to a party, even though he invited her coworker, who he was into, not her, to it. It was a mean girl. She was wasn't going to go to the party. Whatever. She didn't want to go to the party. Um, she goes in her stead. With in, her brother. With her brother. They go in animal costumes to this party, and then she kicks everyone's ass in a video game, except for him, who she basically lets win because she thinks he's too cute. She throws the game for throws him. Throws the game for him. Uh, ends up sleeping with him it's more like do you want to have sex yes yeah it's (laughs) yeah yeah as you can imagine that's how much passion they put into it it's very little passion here do you want to have sex yes i mean i would say it's about on the level of an early denny villeneuve in terms of of passion (laughs) between the between the main characters but then uh, he basically says, come with me to my hometown. I have to go. I don't want to. It's going to suck. <laughs> I have to go kill this guy, probably. I'm probably going to kill him. He's got beef with his old high school bully, it turns out. His whole family is miserable. Everybody's sad because, as it turns out, his brother committed suicide when they You're were You're not younger. supposed to know that yet. Yes. He says his brother died saving a child in a fire. And he says his mother is dead, having been kicked in the head by a cow. And Which now he can't look true. at cows. But that turns out not to be true. We're spoiling. Oh, but we're allowed to spoil yeah, this movie. The, um, turns out she just left the family. She left the family because it was so depressed. The she dad probably is, went to Australia. The dad is in a wheelchair, but it seems that he is only in a wheelchair by choice because he is perfectly capable we see it other times in the film of getting up and walking around so that seems like maybe he's just a involuntary invalid perhaps his sister and brother-in-law are kind of strange and he has a daughter there as well and a nephew and a nephew um and some weird friends and some very strange friends basically he's a jerk he's overcompensating he's talking about like he's always like trying to hype her up, make her seem like she's more impressive than she is. And he's like telling everybody they're dating, which he'd never talked to her about. And then he breaks up with her because I guess she's not impressing everybody enough. Well, he wants to go after and he his wants to go dead after his brother's, dead brother's fiance. old fiance. Right. Because um, she's more impressive. Because she is like good at sports. And the dad, the dad is just not impressed with anything that he does or the girlfriend. That's yeah. why he dumps her is yeah. because he says, what do you think of my new girlfriend did? And he says, Ugh. but yeah. then she becomes friends with the dad and friends with the daughter and the sister and the sister and like kind of like goes and like as he is having his sad boy hours and like training for this fight. She like goes and befriends these pe- these like very sad people and like begins to understand them and like finds out about like his brother dying and like all of this stuff and like why they're so messed up basically 
when the guy finally comes for the fight, it turns out that his longtime high school bully, he doesn't want to fight. He's like, sorry that all this stuff happened. And he's in a wheelchair. He can't walk. Everybody's like, this is like, don't fight this guy. And he's like embarrassed that he's going to do it. But then he does it anyway, fights him. And then he gets his ass beat by this <laughs> dude. Who just he pulls him he like beats on him until he falls out of the wheelchair and then this guy like kicks his ass when he's on the ground and eventually he has to leave in shame and, and she still loves him she still loves him. and he says i'm a loser and she says that's okay. that's okay yeah that's okay and she says basically like i'm leaving town you can change that if you want to and basically all he has to do is uh be nice be nice or just like do anything and it ends with them leaving together and a really sweet moment. Well, where... and his whole family comes down to yeah, her, off. Yeah, and like the family has accepted her. Yeah, it feels better than I expect. It like has a legitimately happier ending than I expected it to. Because yeah, all the way true. through, it felt like Napoleon Dynamite, which does not have a legitimate happy ending. And then it this. It doesn't? No. They get married, they have the yeah, wedding. We'll watch that again. <laughs> Napoleon dances. <laughs> uh, it's a depressing ass movie. That is a depressing ass movie. And this one is kind of similar. It was happier. But again, I would say just like the two little kids, like he insults the girl, but she's very forbearing and ends up, you know, forgiving him for all his stupid things that he says to her and, and, you know, is loving and kind. And I just wanted her to smile with her whole mouth. Even when she gets drunk and parties and has her like wild night of letting things go, she doesn't actually <laughs> smile for real. Oh, and I got to say, at the beginning of the movie, she gets fired from her job and the manager says that there's all these names in the hat and somebody has to go and it's come down from corporate or whatever. It's not his fault. He has to let somebody go and he pulls the name out and it's hers and he says, bad luck. But I called it. I knew that every name in that hat was her name, mm. that she was the one they wanted to get rid of. And then it shows the manager look down in the hat and it doesn't show them all being her name. And I was like, oh, maybe I was wrong about that. But then she finds them in the trash later. And that's really a hurtful scene because she realizes they wanted to get rid of her. Yeah. But her brother's really sweet, but also awkward and weird. Yeah, also awkward and weird. But he seems to be kind of happy in his awkward weirdness, which is yeah. better than you can say for some of the other people in this movie. Yeah, well, the the sister and brother-in-law are pretty happy. Yeah. And the kids. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just put it on the record. Flop or bop? We'll start with you, Sunday. Would you say flop or bop to Eagle versus Shark? Oh, it was definitely a bop. I laughed a lot. I was very amused by it. It did make me happy that it had a little happy ending. And I loved the weird animation. That part was a really nice touch. And yeah, definitely, definitely a bop. I would also say it's a bop. The kind of, like, empty sadness of a lot of these, like, early 2000s rom-coms where there's just kind of a uh, feeling in them. Mm. In this movie is kind of, there's a good reason for it. Like, there is an actual family, a tragic family tragedy, like, underneath all of this that is, like, obviously deeply affecting everyone in the family kind of in different ways you can tell that everyone is compensating for it in their own way that's hurting that's all hurting each other and it turns out that the missing piece was this weird girl who used to work at a 
Meaty fast boy. at Meaty Boy. <laughs> um, that like Lily was the thing that they all needed. That's kind of and that's kind of like what redeems this movie for me. Like because I don't particularly like Jermaine in this movie. Like I think he's just a dick through and through. But what redeems it for me from being like dumb, like a lot of other rom coms are dumb, is the way that everyone kind of heals each other, especially like the dad, the the young daughter, and her together. When it goes there, I think that's a really interesting part of the movie. I really like that. Well, don't you think that part of the reason Jermaine is such a jerk is that he looked up to so much to his perfect older brother. Yeah. Who did everything perfect and had a beautiful fiance and won races. And the dad obviously preferred the older brother and pushed him to be a great person. And the dad blames himself for the suicide. Yeah. And then... Jermaine's character, Jared, has never had the love from his father that his brother had or that he needs, and it's turned him into a jerk. And he and his sister are mean to each other. Yeah. The sister seems much more self-actualized. She's married happily. Um, She has a failing business ideas one after another, but but they're cheerful about it, and they have a kid who plays guitar, and... They seem weird and awkward, but when they go to a party, it looks like a happening party. Yeah, it does look like fun. It looks like a party you could have fun less, at. Less so than Jermaine's party. In Jermaine's the party where he says, my mate has a bicycle helmet and he's going to let us chuck shoes at his head. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's so weird. <laughs> I mean, don't you guys think that everything we're talking about here is intentional? Like, I don't think that we're supposed to like Jermaine. Especially for the last hour of the movie. Yeah. Yeah, right. I feel like the movie is kind of asking, like, what would it actually be like to date Napoleon Dynamite? Yeah. The answer is, like, (laughs) it would be the most horrible thing in the world. It would be terrible. Yeah. 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 Like, he has a thousand complexes, and he's 28 with a nine-year-old daughter he never talks about. (laughs) And all of this stuff. Yeah. And the daughter's pretty put together, though. She seems yeah, to... she seems pretty normal. She's normal. I, I was just gonna say, I really loved the metaphor of the apples. I mean, that was very cool at the end, where the little apples mm-hmm. get together. She's the all chewed up, eaten up apple, and he's the one that's rotten at the core. And she sailed off and found him alone on his little mm-hmm. island, and then you know they're together in the end. And yeah. I thought that was really sweet. Plus, the apples really happened. Yeah, Her brother yeah, bought two yeah, apples, yeah. and she ate all his, and he, his was rotten, and he was pissed about it. <laughs> yeah, because he's an ass. Yeah, he's a total jerk. And then he beats up a guy in a wheelchair. Yeah. Tries to. Tries to beat up a guy in a wheelchair instead of just accepting his apology, which would be an adult thing to do. Yeah, I did think that yeah. it was going to go towards him, like, mm-hmm. actually accepting the apology and, like, growing as a person. But, but it doesn't. was better that he didn't. A better, I mean, it was uh, more, yeah. it fit more with his character yeah. that he wasn't able to do that. Yeah, but it does show him, like, the tiniest little bit of growth there at the end. But who knows? Wade, how about you? Flop or bop? I would say bop as well. I had a lot of fun with it. I feel like there's maybe a ceiling for my personal enjoyment of these kinds of, like, quirky, awkward, Sundance, 2000s indie movies. Yeah. You know, like I thought about Napoleon Dynamite. I thought about Hannah Takes the Stairs, all those things a lot. But I feel like I liked this one about as much as I could like any of them. Like Mm -hmm. I thought it was kind of parodying the genre, but also being actually funny, especially Jermaine, who I think is hilarious for a lot of it. 
my feeling was if this is the worst Taika movie, then like we're in for a good two months. Yeah. <laughs> if this is yeah. the low point, then it's a good place to be. So I don't know. I really liked it. Yeah. I love when her sleeping bag body is chasing his sleeping bag body around the field. I like that part. And I like when she goes and she runs in like the hamster wheel to kind of work out some of her feelings that she has that she needs to think about. That stuff was great. When he's with her brother in the car and they're playing that game about, oh, I see a horse. I see a horse. And who gets to see the horse first? And then you count how many horses you saw and whoever wins, wins. And you know, it's this funny little game. She's been, obviously been playing with her brother since they were kids. And he says, it's stupid. She says, I'm never going to play that game again. And then on the bus ride home, he plays it with her. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. obviously, you know, he's nicer than he first appeared, perhaps. Maybe lightening up a little. Yeah. And I mean, he did get his revenge. He did get to throw some punches at his childhood bully, even if he didn't manage to kill him. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> when his friend is so dumb. When his friend when he says that thing about he was like, Why didn't you tell me he was in a wheelchair? And his friend's like, Well, I did. And he's like, No, you didn't. And he says, Yeah, you said when I get through with him, he's not gonna be able to walk again. And I laughed. <laughs> <laughs> right? Isn't that what yeah, he says? <laughs> you already yeah. can't walk. I mean, oh my gosh. Yeah, the friend was funny. But everybody was weird and awkward. I would really like to go to New Zealand and know how much weird awkwardness there is. I hear they're really friendly. It kind of reminded me, have you got, have you seen Muriel's wedding? Some of the family dynamic kind of reminded me of that. Have you seen that? No. Uh, Well, it's an Australian movie and it has Toni Collette back when she was really young and still in Australia before she came to Hollywood to make movies. You know who she is, right? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, the star of Krampus. How could I forget? Oh, well, she's a very awkward girl in a very awkward family. I don't mean to digress, but you guys should watch that sometime. I feel like some of the sadness in this movie is offset by the fact that you have a very silly looking Taika Waititi wearing an afro playing the dead brother in all of the pictures and clips. Yeah funniest joke or favorite joke does anyone have a particular joke they want to call out from this that really got them what's the joke that she tells at the dinner table that the family thinks is so funny oh who's the emperor of farts gaseous maximus (laughs) it's such a bad joke and everybody loves it uh, I like the most, not like not even really a joke but there's just like some ripping guitar in the background and then it pans over and it turns out it's been the kid, the cousin, like the kid just playing guitar. In the backyard. <laughs> In and, the the backyard. Little, and the little girls dancing because they're a band together. He plays and she dances. <laughs> the character's name is Zane. And there's just one line where they say, Zane can play guitar. <laughs> Which I liked. Since my brother Zane does play guitar. Yeah, yeah he does. Your, your brother Zane has a much better beard and hair situation going on than that kid does. <laughs> so one of the things they did, which was like a pretty frequent joke in Flight of the Concords too, you know, the camera is on the two of them side by side talking in, you know, the living room about him needing oh. to go and kill somebody and not knowing how he's going to get all the way home. And her saying, well, maybe my brother 
he has a car and he says, yeah, but would he let us use it? And she says, we can ask him. And then she says, Damon, how about using your car? And he's right there in the room with them. And, you know, the, the camera pans <laughs> and there he is sitting there with them. And he's been this really sort of intimate conversation that you think when Jared's like bearing his soul and they're speaking to each other as if no one else is there. <laughs> Damon's been in the room the whole time and five of the Concords would play that too. Yeah. Like they would be arguing over a girl and who got to date her. And then you'd see that she was in the room hearing that whole conversation conversation so i mean that that amused me and especially because it was sort of like a little callback to concords with yeah. whom i love or a call forward to perhaps. a call forward perhaps yeah i like the part where he's on the he breaks up with her on the rocks and then he's just like i'm so complex and he just runs off across the rocks <laughs> <laughs> oh my god he has all these feelings oh and i love at the very beginning when she's trying to sell the burger that's like two patties on the outside of the bread. <laughs> on the inside. That was With funny. patties on the outside and bread on the inside. And she just sells it exactly. She just like does it perfectly trying to sell it to the crowd. Oh, I know. I like the fact that she gives Jared free French fries and makes a big deal out of the fact she's given him free fries. And then when they go to his lame ass party, she says to her brother, oh, she gave you free fries. And she's like, don't mention it. And then the bro- and then he says, yeah, she gave me free fries to the roommate. And the roommate's like, yeah, you told me that. So like the free fries were like a really big deal. And that's we're when we're like, <laughs> yeah, like they don't have a whole lot to talk about. Like their lives are so boring that a free large fry at a fast food restaurant <laughs> is worth mentioning. I don't know. I thought that was funny. Hey, I got flirted with by a Bojangles employee one time, and it was worth talking about. <laughs> Never you, mind. Maybe I know, not. Maybe I know that, Wade that has worked in fast food. I, too, have worked in fast food. I don't think Emmett has. Mm-hmm. Have you? No, no, I have not. Yeah, it sucks. Yeah, this was a pretty accurate depiction, I would say. Yeah, really. It sucks, and the people you work with suck, and the manager sucks the most. And the uniforms are horrible. <laughs> and the food you're trying to sell yeah. is horrible. And they make you say, would you like to try the meaty burger? Even though the person has already told you what they want to order. And I worked at Wendy's during the Where's the Beef campaign. Do you remember Where's the Beef? No, no, no of course no, you don't. You, you weren't us. alive. Mm-hmm. But have you heard from the 80s that there was this, Where's the Beef? There was this little old lady who said that about burgers from other burger joints. And then at Wendy's, we had the beef. And like, if customers said that we gave them a discount or something, I don't know. It was so (laughs) stupid. I love Wendy's. Wendy's, please sponsor this podcast. You're still my favorite burger joint. Mm. Okay, true story. Since I brought up Wendy's and Emmett saying he loves Wendy's, Dave Thomas, the founder of Wendy's, is from my hometown. Sponsor this podcast. And Wendy went to my high school. She's a real person. She's older than I am. She had other sisters. And her sister, Lori, who was the youngest in the family, was in my graduating class at Arlington High School, class of 85. I was in some classes with Lori Thomas. So they had Wendy's because that was the oldest daughter. But then they also had Sisters Chicken and Biscuits, which was named for the rest of the kids. Well, so you were either, the rest of the kids. You were either Wendy, who had got her name wow. on the restaurant, or you were just a sister. Wow. Lori was a sister. She was very rich. It's really wow. flip the flip the stereotype on the redheaded. Uh, and trip, so. and let me tell you this too. Sometimes, sometimes I would be working. I worked at the Wendy's that was closest to my high school. It was just like a block away. Sometimes Lori would come in with her friends, 
and eat there, which was just really weird. Well, did she get it free or what? No, we didn't give it to her free. Well, see, I mean, like, what's the point? She had to keep the stock moving. <laughs> and not only that, but Lori and I went to Ohio University together, too. But it's I... not like her dad was even your boss. Like, he's so far above that, you know? Yeah. Like, you right. just said we're working for, like, what? Like, the manager of that Wendy's. Of that Wendy's. Yeah. Yeah. Who was a jerk? They all are. Well, yeah. He sucked. Wasn't, wait, I did, did, I you, did, did work you manage there. it? Did you manage it McDonald's ever, or were you just employee of the month? I was employee of the month at McDonald's after I left, which is a true story. Uh, like two months after I left and had gone to college, my mom texted me a picture of myself on the wall of the McDonald's. Oh, that's too funny. It was news to me. I never, I never rose through the ranks, but I will say that I worked at McDonald's and was the birthday party coordinator. That so like a special that was house. later. I worked at Wendy's oh, wow. in high school. I worked at McDonald's as the birthday party coordinator in college. Sounds particularly awful. I like working with kids. Okay, what did we derail? Wade, what's your favorite joke in this movie? I like everything with Jermaine pretty much. The, uh, the thing not with him that really got me is the best friend who is supposedly this great computer hacker and has like dial-up internet. And there's this hilarious scene where he has like a pornographic <laughs> pop-up that turns into a virus over the course of like three minutes that he's trying to coolly close and he can't do it. Uh, and then he just like unplugs the computer at the end. And that really got me. Yeah, that's pretty funny. Let's move into MVP. Our favorite character from, from this movie. I'm going to take off... Uh, Lily and Jared, the couple at the heart of this movie, right. and say other than Lily and Jared, who was everyone's MVP? And Sunday you have first pick the friends. What was his name? Mason. Yeah, yeah, Mason. yeah. Mason, the friend, the computer hacker extraordinaire. Yeah. He's the MVP. <laughs> no. He's funny. Every scene he's in, it's great. Yeah, he adds to the awkwardness. He adds to the humor, and he knew the guy was in the wheelchair. <laughs> Oh, I mean, just never told him. <laughs> I would go with with her brother, Damon. I think he's very sweet. I think he's funny. I think the fact that he's always doing different impressions oh, and that yeah, they're the always still bit. with a New Zealand accent yeah. is very funny. That he just thinks that like Bond, doing an Bond. doing an impression of Arnold Schwarzenegger in the Terminator from twenty five years before is going to cheer up Jermaine in this, <laughs> on the car ride when he's so depressed. I'm depressed. It's just, that's just very amusing. That's sweet. Yeah. How about you, Wade? Who's your MVP? I really like the brother-in-law, but I think I'm going to give MVP to Jermaine's daughter. Oh, yeah. Who is just like this strange nine-year-old kid who is kind of like the most put-together character in the movie and has this like innate sadness, but I think gives like genuinely a very good performance and uh, like another reoccurring type of thing we're going to see is that he loves working with kids. Obviously, his first short Mm -hmm. film is just kids. She's the only kid in this, but I think that he like brings out kind of a central performance and it's also kind of a turning point i felt in the film when there is like suddenly a little kid and she calls him dad and you're like yeah right what i mean we looked at each other and said did she just say did she just say hi dad (laughs) yeah that was 
But, you know, there are two other rando kids at the animal party. There's two rando kids playing on the... Oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's a and good I was point. Like, like, this is a party. It's like multi-generational. These are these yeah. their only friends who play Fight Man. <laughs> are like their friends' kids. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was funny. that Because the, the one kid has to take off his costume to yeah. play Fight Man. I want to do a special little shout out to Rachel House, who plays the sister and is in almost all of these movies. And indeed, I think like appears in almost everything Taika related. So if we have a little house report section, is there anything we want to mention about her in this movie? Yes. Her name is Nancy in this movie, right? Mm. The sister. Yeah. Who's always trying to sell things to Lily. I love the part where they're like, did you use our makeup? And your skin feels okay. (laughs) (laughs) They're like, this makeup's $100, but we'll give it to you for $25. (laughs) That was funny. Yeah, she was fun. I will say that she she has a beautiful Maori face. I mean, she's just really uh, looks like the New Zealand Maori. She's really pretty. Mm-hmm. And I think I read that she was like she was in um, one of the voices in Moana. I think she's the grandma in Moana. The grandma. Oh, yeah. Because I looked up her IMDb because I'm sure I've seen her in other things, you know, so I was looking her up. Well, let's do final thoughts here and then we'll wrap it up. Is there a Taika Waititi movie that passes the Bechdel test? I want to know that. That is a good question. Yeah, well... I, I just wondered because, again, in the um, One Night, Two Cars, or Two Cars, One Night, whatever it's called, the little boy's really mean to the little girl until, you know, they kind of have their little moment and he's better. And same thing with Jemaine. And I'm like, are all the women in his movies going to be women who are long-suffering and put up with really jerky guys and show love and forbearance? without standing up to them and saying, why are you being such a jerk? Well, that's certainly what Scarlett Johansson does in um, Jojo Mm -hmm. Rabbit. Puts up with a jerky guy. Yeah, I mean, he's like the main Mm -hmm. character that is pretty obnoxious. Right. Anyway, that's just a question that I have going forward. I'll be interested to see if there's ever any movies where the, uh, and not even just the Bechdel test, which is the characters have to be talking to each other and not about a man, which never happened. The only time two female characters talk to each other in this movie are the the little girl, Jared's daughter and Lily talking to each other and they're talking about uncle having committed suicide. Mm-hmm. They do talk about what she's going to wear to the party. But anyway, I'm just thinking about that in terms of like how, how much empowerment his mm-hmm. female characters get, because so far it hasn't seemed like much. And, you know, one of the tropes that I really don't like in movies and in literature is that the love of a good woman will change a bad man. It's been going on for a long time Mm. in literature, and it just kind of irks me. Mm -hmm. Because it's mostly not true, and a lot of women have gotten themselves stuck in a lot of bad situations believing that. So, yeah. What are your final thoughts, Wade? I don't know. I definitely agree that I wish so many male filmmakers in particular didn't feel the need to like show us stories about women through the frames of putting them through terrible things. Like there could be a better story showing that like Lily learns to value herself. That isn't her putting up with this horrible guy for an hour, but still I, I really like that. I feel like he is confronting a lot of the like tropes of this genre, this like very specific Mm. indie rom-com and like really 
showing like how horrible a lot of the traits the men have actually would be in real life and playing them off against Lily, who is this character who like never complains about anything. And that's like her and her brother's whole thing. And it's funny to watch like the tortured, (laughs) self-tortured Jermaine play off against that. The like very end is a riff on The Graduate, which I loved. Mm -hmm. If you haven't seen The Graduate, I watched it for the first time last year, but it's uh, slight spoilers for The Graduate. It's about this couple who like in the end of the movie does like everything to be together, like literally like destroys a family and physically tears apart a church and outruns a mob just to be together. And then the last shot is like them on the back of the bus and they've like finally made it and they're running away together and the camera zooms in on them. They're just sitting there and they have nothing to say to each other. They have nothing to say. They're like, why did this happen? That movie, the ending of The Graduate just falls so flat. And that's, you're right. That's, I liked the ending of this one, how they find this little game to play together. And it is like the exact opposite of that. It has this hopeful, loving ending. Yeah, I love that too. And for as much as I don't love the character Jermaine is playing, I think that you want them to be happy because she clearly wants them to be happy and love like her character so much. And I will also say that in this movie, I, I always loved the movie, like at least 30% more whenever there was music playing. I Mm. thought the soundtrack and the score were both really good. And like, I felt like it locked into a vibe a little bit more that maybe was more bearable than all of just the awkward comedy whenever there was a little bit of background music. I will say that I feel the same way about Flight of the Concords, that like sometimes the part that's just them like and their relationships with people is like painful to watch. And when they break into their songs and like the weird like dream sequence music videos, then it's like funny and like bearable. Cringe Uh, humor. Yeah. All right. Well, do you have anything to plug? You know, for a long time, I'm trying to think how many years, how many years did I do it? Nine years. I had an online newspaper at ochrecoatcurrent.com. I am working on archiving what was good about that. And it will still be at the same website. If you go to it now, you won't find much, but hopefully within the next month or so, I will um, get stuff archived so that it'll be searchable. There's some great articles by Emmett on there. Yeah, that'll be on there. Excellent sports commentary that I did. Yeah, that'll be fun. That's the thing I have to plug. I am going to have a new business for next year on Ochre Coke, but I don't know if I'm ready to plug that yet. I'm always coming up with new ideas. So there you go. That's what I have to plug. Check in with me in a couple months and I can tell you about my new business. Awesome. Uh, (laughs) Everybody make sure to follow Wade on Letterboxd and give him as much crap as necessary for that one star, half star, sorry, half star dragging of Elf, (laughs) uh, the Christmas classic. What? You gave (laughs) Elf a half a star? That's at Wade Danger at dot. dot letterbox dot org no wait 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 seriously you gave elf a half a star elf is the perfect movie okay one of my favorite tropes is innocent in the big city when you have an innocent a child i mean it's the same plot as big you have a childlike mentality trying to maneuver and find their way around the big city oh my god plus you have christmas plus you have elf culture I can't believe you don't love that movie. It's the same movie as Enchanted. Have you seen Enchanted? I have seen Enchanted, and Enchanted has jokes that aren't just farting, which is why I like <laughs> Enchanted. 
I mean, Buddy also burps. Is that really, really, really long burp after he chugs the whole two liter of Coke? Uh-huh. It's not all bathroom humor, Wade. It kind of is. As someone who was forced to watch it, it kind of is. When the little narwhal says, bye, buddy, hope you find your dad. I mean, that's like one of the best lines in cinema history. I'm right. I have no further comment on I can't that. believe you gave that a half a star. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Son of a nutcracker. It's bad. Movie bad. That's my full comment on Elf. I will say nothing more. Have you ever seen Stranger Than Fiction? We're not going to play the Let's Redeem Will Ferrell game here. I don't need to redeem Will Ferrell. I'm just going to tell you, Innocence and New York, always a good story. Well, that's the story that Wade is living right now, so... Aw, Wade. (laughs) That's the same story as um, the mermaid movie, Splash. You know, she's a mermaid. Also the same story as queer icon Aquamarine. Although that's not the big city, it's just the She's inno- in New Jersey. In- innocent on the Jersey Shore. Innocent on the shore, yeah. Okay, we've covered all our bases. Elf, Aquamarine, <laughs> Splash, Stranger Than Fiction, Wait, have you the seen Royal Tenenbaums, The Graduate. Wait, have you seen Aquamarine? <laughs> this podcast is going places. Because I have to say, like, Aquamarine is a beautiful movie. Also about friendship. Kind of like Muriel's Wedding. You should watch those two together. I have not seen Aquamarine. I would like to, when Caroline was on the podcast, she also asked me, have you seen Aquamarine? And I have still not watched it. (laughs) Caroline and I hijacked this podcast for a full 20 minutes to discuss Aquamarine the last time she was on. Oh, wait. And did you cut that out of the podcast? It was in there. Yeah, oh, it was okay. it made it. I did notice you cut my monologue about your couch from the She's the Man episode. I have to put in a plug for my children. Like for Emmett, you should definitely listen to this podcast. Wait, and to the go podcast. to middenwing.com <laughs> or.org and give him a lot of money. I want to plug Caroline. Caroline mm. should be on the podcast again because she's definitely been the funniest so far. Somebody and, should also just give Caroline a Netflix special. And Mariah actually has some footage to contribute because Mariah was trying to start a show called My Broke Life about Caroline when she went to stay with Caroline in Asheville and Caroline was really poor. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, you should get Mariah on here to talk about My Broke Life because she, she filmed some of it. Yeah, and you should have Mariah on again, but make her talk more. Well, we are having her on again very, very soon. Actually, we just had her on, so your wish has already been fulfilled. Oh, it just hasn't come out yet. Chronologically before this was released. that is true. We will have just heard from her. And I'm sure we will have heard more from her this time around. Thank you for having me on the pod. We're still going to do the, we're still about to do a quiz. Oh, we're going to do a quiz? There's more? The quiz game is bummed is the word where I give hints about movies. We try and guess what they are. I have nine movies that were filmed in New Zealand. That's the theme of all of these movies today. Filmed in New Zealand. So I'm just going to kick it off. The first movie is a 2001 fantasy film. Was it Fellowship of the Ring? (laughs) That is correct. It is The Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring. Of the ring. That was just a geek test. Film number two, also shot in Australia, is 2009 science fiction film. This is the rare original science fiction film. It's not adapted from anything, although it is the joke about it is that it's 
a remake of something else is the film Avatar. That is correct. It is James Cameron's Avatar. What is that one supposed to be like? That is uh, Dances with Wolves, except (laughs) I think Charles calls it Dances with Ewa. Wait, Dances with Smurfs on the planet moon of Endor is what Charles calls it. (laughs) I've never seen that one, so I'm I'm 0 for 2 here on movies I've seen. I think I slept through Fellowship of the Ring several times when Emmett asked me to watch it with him. But I included Avatar in part because Jermaine is going to be in Avatar 2, which what? is supposedly coming out Christmas 2022. So I read that. Wait, is it for real? Put that in there. We also, oh, we spoke about Moana. Jermaine was in Moana too. Oh, I yeah. Is he playing mm-hmm. the chicken? He plays like the giant shrimp. Taika also wrote the first draft of Moana which I think was entirely thrown out. But wow. it was like oh, his huh. idea, and I think it was originally a little more serious, and then huh. got uh, reshaped into, into what it is now. Interesting. Cool. Movie number three. This is a 2007 it's children's drama, I would say. <laughs> no. <laughs> this is adapted from a 1977 novel, and the novel is... One that a lot of kids have to read and one that is a little controversial. I think it's frequently on banned booked lists. Is it The Secret Garden? No. Is it The Virgin Suicides? That doesn't have anything to do with children. Am I in the... Oh, wait. Um, Is it The Lovely Bones? No. No. That doesn't have anything to do with children either. It is about children. She's she's a child. She's a ghost child. No, she's a teenager. What? Okay. The children are the stars of this movie? The children are the main characters. It's about two child neighbors who sort of create their own fantasy world that they have. Each of games. Is it Bridge to Terabithia? It is Bridge to Terabithia. Ah, damn it. Hell yeah. Crazy that that was shot in New Zealand. Yeah. Because it takes place in like Ohio or something. Yeah. Did you read that book when you were a kid? It's very sad. I did. I I don't think I've actually ever seen the movie, but I read the book and it was very sad. The movie can't live up to the book. I remember reading that book very distinctly, being like reading that book for some sort of book club where we were supposed to read like a chapter at a time, reading the chapter where the really messed up thing happens and then being like, well, now I just have to finish this book. And like, like I have to know like the rest of it and like, you know, being ahead of everybody else the next day and just being like, I'm sorry, I was crying all night. Like... <laughs> Where do you want me to do? I had to know. It's three points to Emmett so far. Movie number four, 1988 fantasy film. Is the film Willow? Is it Willow? It is. It is Willow. Damn it. You know, I I think you guys just know each other too well. It's like playing (laughs) trivia with Charles and Chrissy. All right, next. By the way, the new Willow coming to Disney Plus this year. Just throwing that out there. Oh, there's a new Willow coming? Oh, cool. It's a series. A series. Okay. The next movie, movie number five, is a 1993 drama. Uh, It's a romance that's also uh, a period film. This movie was directed by a very popular female director who just released her first movie in like 13 years. 
But this is sort of, I would say, like her big breakout. A romantic drama from 1993. Woman director. Yes. Was the director Catherine Bigelow? (laughs) The only woman to ever won an Oscar for directing. It's not Catherine Bigelow. Yeah, the main couple is played by Holly Hunter and Harvey Keitel. uh, And she plays a woman uh, from the city and is arranged to marry a man she's never met who lives off in the woods, who is who Harvey plays. And it's sort of about their journey together. She has a young daughter. It's about the three of them. The piano? Yes, it's the piano. It is the piano. Wow. I read that book. The book is better. Haven't seen the movie. I don't know. But never judge a book by its movie. <laughs> if it has Harvey Keitel in it, I trust it to be good. I like Holly Hunter. Me she too. plays Penny like Holly Hunter too. Oh, Brother, mm-hmm. Right Thou. I love her. Yeah. Go get me on the baby's high. She's also in Raising Arizona. Yeah, she's also in Raising Arizona. <laughs> Coen Brothers, I think. Yeah. Why haven't you guys done Coen Brother movies? That's a good question. Oh, that is a Seriously. good question. I like the Coen Brothers. <sighs> the reason we haven't done Coen Brothers is because there's like 35 of them. Um, really they'd probably be mostly good and i'm really excited about their Macbeth. so i don't know it could be good i think they would be all good because i've seen even some of the weirder like weirder ones and they're good so i think they're all good movie number six Uh is a 2015 horror movie it is the rare christmas horror movie krampus yes it is Krampus? It's Krampus. Unbelievable. You mentioned Krampus earlier. I did not realize that was a New Zealand production. Why did we mention it earlier? Because somebody was in it. Tony Collette was in it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I jokingly said Tony Collette, star of Krampus. Tony Collette's also the mother of the kid who can see dead people. Wait, has Tony Collette been the mom in like every horror movie ever? Is that just her thing? She was the mom in Little Miss Sunshine. Is that a horror movie? I mean, it depends on who you ask. There you go. There was a horror movie for Paul Dano. (laughs) (laughs) She's the mom in Hereditary and I'm Thinking of Ending Things, which are both pretty brutal horror movies. Wow. I still have been unwilling to watch I'm Thinking of Ending Things because it scares me too much. Film number seven, 2009 superhero movie. This is part of a series And it's trying to break off and start a new little series within that, which didn't end up taking off. Is it X-Men Origins Wolverine? It is indeed. Well, that's not fair. You guys did that one when you did X-Men, didn't you? Do you think I remember that that was filmed in New Zealand? Okay, whatever. (laughs) Film number eight is a 2005 adventure movie. I would say this is a sequel to a 1998 movie, but it's part of like, it's a famous character. The appeal here is that an actor is playing a specific beloved fictional character and he did it in 98 and now he's coming back to do it in 2005. Now you could be talking about Andy Serkis in King Kong, but I don't think you are. I am not. Okay. A beloved fictional character. This is a Mexican character who first appeared in 1919 and has had many movies, books, comics, operas written about him. He's sort of a swashbuckling character. 
Zorro? Is it The Mask of Zorro? It is a Zorro movie. It is not The Mask of Zorro. That is the 1998 movie. Do you know what the other Zorro movies might be named? No. <laughs> the The Mark of Zorro? It's the same naming convention. It is The Blank of Zorro. The Call of Zorro. No. The Cape. His mask and a cape. The Cape of Zorro? <laughs> um, the sword? No, it's referring to not a physical thing like the first one. It's more about his whole appeal, the story around him, the mysticism about him. The myth That's of Zorro? That's what the title is saying. The legend. It is the legend of Zorro. Woo! Way to go. <laughs> All right, that is three points to Sunday, five to Emmett, and there is one more movie to guess. This is a 2002 drama. It is sort of a quintessential New Zealand movie. It's also adapted from a novel. It is um, about a uh, a young girl in a Maori tribe who wants to be the chief. Island of the Blue Dolphins. Only men can be chiefs. Nope. Um, I don't know. Isn't that what that is about? Free Willy? Free Willy? No. I've seen this movie. Something about water? Something about dancing? Oh, I've seen this movie. It is water-related. It is a Ah, water-related title. Water, 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 water. Karen made us watch this. Molly loved (laughs) this movie. Oh, I do remember. Yeah, I can remember seeing the girl with the cool tattoos. The girl, the girl with the cool tattoos. Yeah. Ah. She was at the time the youngest nominee for Best Actress. Damn. Wave Rider. Wave Rider. No, it's something like that. Though you're close, Emma. Oh, oh, you're so close. Whale Rider. Whale Rider. Yeah. Damn it! He said it first. <laughs> I told you what the movie was. <laughs> so, so please bleep out the part earlier where I said Free Willy. <laughs> no, don't bleep out Free Willy. <laughs> it is Whale Rider. <laughs> Congratulations Incredible. to everyone involved. Wait, is that the one that the girl from True Grit snatched from her for youngest best actress nominee? Uh, no, it's the girl from Beasts of the Southern Wild. Wow. Quivon's, Quiv- oh, now I can't say her name. The girl from Beasts of the Southern Wild. All right. Well, excellent job to both. Thank you all for being here. Uh, we'll be back in 28 weeks to talk about Jordan Ooh. Peele's Nope. And next week, we will actually be returning to our Scream series to cover oh, my God. Scream 2022. Any Where's your hype level at, Emmett, for Scream? Any thoughts going in? I'd forgotten that I was going to be seeing that next week. And I'm so excited. (laughs) That is amazing. Truly, fully believe that if we don't see Neve Campbell wielding the knife behind the mask in this one, it will be it will be a disappointment. It will all be for naught. I think that that's what this series has been leading to. I think that Wes Craven wrote in his friggin will that that's how they had to do the last Scream movie. But if that is not what happens, I would just like you to put it out there um, to Dimension Pictures that I have a great pitch for Scream 6. (laughs) How about you? Are you stoked for that one? Yeah, I am excited for it. 
Normally, it is a bad sign if a movie is coming out in January, but this one I know they always planned it to be a January release like years in advance. So I like the directors. I like the series. I think it looks great. I'm hoping that it's actually scary. That's what I'm hmm. hoping. These movies haven't been so in a while. Wait, I, I also have a prediction for it that I've been okay. thinking about. Okay. My prediction is that it will not mention Stab whatsoever. That's interesting. Is, That's an is inter- Stab a character? No, Stab is a fictional movie series within the screen oh, right, 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 right. series that is like kind of a, it is a spoof in itself of the screen movies. That's interesting. They're doing all this talk about being inspired by the first one. So I feel like they're getting back to like the base level. They're not going to say it doesn't exist. They're not going to negate the others. They're just not right. going to mention Stab in any capacity, one way or another. That's my theory. Yeah. I mean, they've kind of played that out as far as they could in the last three. Mm-hmm. I wonder if there'll be podcasters on it. That's my prediction. Film letterbox users, that's what I'd like to see. Oh, yeah, that'd be, that'd be real good. Real up to Until then, dear listeners. Bye. Stay scream puffed and stay frosted. Cinema Bums is a production of DKG Podcasts. It is created and produced by Emma Temple and me, Wade Lawrence Holloman. I also edit and mix the podcast. Our theme music is by Zane Holloman, who you can find on Bandcamp, and our show art is by Autumn Beckman. Our social media is managed by Laura Bennett. If you like what you hear, please tell all your friends and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, the two best ways to spread the word about our work. You can also follow us on Instagram at cinemabums or email us at cinemabumspod at gmail.com. Don't flake on us. We'll be back next week 